Thank you, Joel. Thank you so much. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you. And um, first of all, I've got to apologize to you, Joel, if I scared you in the middle of the worship. I think you probably were worshiping, you know, in the spirit so much you had your eyes closed and didn't notice. But I ran out of the church halfway through the worship. And that's probably the worst thing that a uh, pastor can see when they've got a visiting speaker. Because all of a sudden they think, oh, no, do I have to suddenly think of something off the top of my head? Um, I just forgot my reading glasses. Uh, so um, they're in my glass. And, yeah, the print is... Uh, my notes is small, so I would have had to ask the, uh, one of the ushers at the back to hold it for me otherwise so I could read it from here. But, um, yeah, I kind of, I promised myself, uh, yeah, Keith, don't go off on too many tangents. In fact, let's, let's do, uh, let's put my phone and, for me as well, Bible up on the, uh, on here so uh, I know what the time is. And I don't send you all, you know, you, if you all fall asleep, get your sleep bag, sleeping bags out. I know I've gone too long, but I've got my, got my phone there as well. Um, yeah, I promised myself I wouldn't go off on too many tangents, but I've got to, you'll have to indulge me a small one just starting off here because I say I came into this church when I was, first of all, when I was um, 17 years of age, I just passed my driving test and um, actually my family had um, gone through a really rough time with church and my stepdad had gone to jail and various diff- difficult things had gone and my mum wasn't going to church and my brothers weren't going to church at the time and God spoke to me in the night as a teenager and said, uh, I want you to go to church tomorrow morning. And I got up in the morning and I went downstairs and I told my sister and I said, God said this to me last night. And she said, that's funny, God said the same thing to me last night as well. And um, at the time, my sister worked on the, um, on the trains with the trolleys, you know, where you have to take out a mortgage to buy a packet of crisps. Uh, that was my sister. And anyway, she, um, uh, she happened to mention to her boss on the trains um, that, uh, you know, she, wanted, she was looking for a church. Her boss wasn't a Christian. Turns out her boss lived, lived I don't know if she still lives on, lived on this street and said, um, well, I don't go to church, but there's a church you really need to check out because on a Sunday morning, I open up my doors and my windows so that I can hear the beautiful worship and sound and music and singing that comes out of that place. And I was moved to tears listening to the worship in here this morning because that beautiful worship is still flowing out of this place. And the freedom in the spirit and in worship that has always been in this place continues to be in this place. And when I ran to get my glasses, I ran back and I was actually in tears. I'm mean, a bit of a crier, I'm afraid. I was brought up, my granddad was uh, wing commander in the RAF and he always said, men don't cry. And I was, grew up not crying and then I went to Bible college and God just blew that out the window and now I can't stop sobbing at everything. I cry at kids' movies or whatever. I cried it up, but then who doesn't, you know? Um, so anyway, yeah, I, I stopped outside and I just listened that beautiful music is, and worship is still flooding the street and you don't know who might be listening to it and who might be touched by it. So just be blessed, be blessed. It's fantastic. Yeah, wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful to be here with you this morning. I'm shocked so many new faces. It's like I thought I'd come in and I'd know like half the congregation, but wow, what a blessing. All these new people and, and hello to those I do know and hello to those I don't. It's lovely to be with all of you brothers and sisters. So yeah, fantastic. Anyway, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop waffling. I'm going to carry on. Um, as Joel said, I work for Scripture Union, uh, traveling around, um, training, mentoring, coaching, encouraging churches and people to um, reach out to unchurched uh, young people. But I'm not going to talk about what I do for a job today. God's just put something on my heart to bless you with. And it's a well-known scripture. And you're probably going to see this and think, well, I've heard, I've heard, if we could have it up on screen, I've heard 
loads of sermons on this, but I'm going to try and make you a bet that you probably haven't heard this brought out of this passage this morning. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. I'm going to um, move that up a little bit so I can see and move that forward a little bit now. Okay, and you'll have to excuse me. I do get a bit excited when I preach because I really love the Bible. So let's read this together. Luke 10, um, verse 1 to 3. You're probably all familiar with it. So after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. Fantastic. Right. So Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Let's keep going, sorry. Um, He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Now, I hear that you've been doing a series about, sorry? Oh, there's more, of course there is, of course there is. Um, Do we not, just uh, verse 3? Um, Oh, yes, there we are. Yes, yes, sorry. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. My apologies. I'm so excited about the first bit. I'm forgetting about the second, the the last bit. Fantastic. Um, Yeah, brilliant. So you've probably, like I say, heard uh, sermons on this passage many, many times. And uh, okay, so, wow. Uh, I want to draw your attention to a minor detail. And, and I'm normally a big picture person. I love putting things in the big picture and, and the big story of the Bible. But today, I want to do something a bit different and draw your attention to a minor detail that is very easy to overlook. Now, the, how, how many people did Jesus send out? Oh, now you see, some of you said different things there. This is interesting. Right. Who said Who said 70? 72, 72. Now, some translations do say 70, and some say 72, which is why it's a little bit. And actually, yeah, well, we'll come to that. So, the NIV says Jesus appointed 72 people. But there is a little footnote at the bottom of the page, if you go down to the bottom, saying that some later manuscripts say 70. In fact, so out of place is the number 72 that many commentators think that early scribes must have copied it down wrong. Now, if you know anything about the work of early scribes, that is pretty unlikely. The early scribes were so meticulous about copying down. And if one of them copied it down wrong, another one of them certainly would have noticed before it got, went from manuscript to manuscript to manuscript and only got changed hundreds and hundreds of years later, by later scribes in later manuscripts. So it's an interesting one. Um, But yeah, some commentators think the early scribes must have copied it down wrong because it's so out of place. But at the end of the day, 70 or 72, does it really matter? I mean, if it's right, it's just a boring detail, right? And if it's wrong, it's just a typo. So what's the big deal? Why am I going on about it? What's so important about the number 70 anyway? Well, you see, in ancient Jewish thought, certain numbers had extra meaning. Seven and multiplications of it carried the meaning of completeness or wholeness. This could be used both literally or metaphorically. Seven could be used to represent the completion of something or the wholeness of something. It's totality. Why do you think that is? 
Any ideas here? Why would seven represent completion or wholeness in the Bible? Yes, yeah, I hear it from there. The creation story, Genesis. Genesis 1, the creation story, God creates the world in seven days. And on the day of completion, God rested because it was what? Because it was good. And now throughout the rest of scripture, seven and multiples of seven, in particular, the number 70, are used to convey this message. In fact, multiples of seven are even woven into the very literary design of certain books. Uh, one of my favorite examples of that is the Gospel of John, um, where actually you could, you could do a massive study on this. Sevens are woven into all of John's writings in so many ways. But if you have a look at the Gospel of John, you'll see that John records that Jesus did seven miracles. And he said, this was the first miracle of Jesus. This is the second. And he goes through seven miracles. Now, did Jesus only do seven miracles? No. And in fact, if you go to the very end of the Gospel of John, he says, if, if everything that Jesus did was written about him, we couldn't, all the books in the world could not contain what Jesus did. And yet he records seven miracles as representative of all the miracles that Jesus did, of the totality and wholeness of all the miracles that Jesus did. So that's how important 70 is, uh, 7 is. And if, in fact, if you put the word 70 into Bible Gateway in the NIV, it will return 69 results, while the word 7 reveals 518. However, if you type in 72, how many results do you think we get? That one. The one we just read is the only result that comes back. So when you see a seven or a 70, take notice and see what it adds to the meaning. In the passage we read, 70 makes more sense. It makes perfect sense. But 72 seems out of place. It seems to make no sense at all. But one of the things that I'm really passionate about is that the Bible is full of hyperlinks. We all know what a hyperlink is these days, don't we? Because we're all these days very much computer literate and you've got the little underlined blue word on the screen. You follow it. It takes you somewhere else that gives you more information about the thing that you're looking at. Some background or some extra information puts things in context. Now, for me, the Bible is full of hyperlinks. That's not just direct quotes. That is repeated themes. That is repeated certain words. That is repeated numbers. That is all kinds of things um, that, that hyperlink and constantly refer back and refer forward in the Bible. And these hyperlinks often lead us to places that reveal an extra layer of meaning. At this point, I start to get very excited. So I would like to take you to the book of Numbers in chapter 11, verse 16 to 30. And I'm not going to put the scripture up because I'm going to paraphrase because it's quite a long chunk of scripture. And in Numbers 11, 16 to 30, we find a story about Moses. Now Moses, he's in trouble and he says, I can't lead these people, it's too much for me. The burden's too much of leadership. There's just too much going on, too much coming, too much burden on me. He says, I can't take it anymore, I can't lead these people, it's too much for me. So God tells Moses to choose, guess how many representatives? 70. Choose 70 representatives. Why 70? Because these people were going to represent the whole people of Israel. 
They were representatives of everybody. From among the elders of Israel. And God says, I will take of my spirit that is on you and I'll give it to the 70 you choose. So they too can hear directly from me and help you. I'm slightly paraphrasing. When it happens, there, but when this happens, there is so much of God's Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit spills over onto two extra people. And these two extra people are named Eldad and Medad. And if you look up the names of these two people, Eldad and Medad, their names mean beloved one and my darling. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? Now, they didn't get chosen by Moses. They didn't get chosen by the elders of Israel. And, um, you know... (laughs) Um, sorry, glasses, I need my new, uh, so, you know, it spills over to these two extra people. They didn't get chosen by Moses, but God loves them so much that they get Holy Spirit anyway. Now, God gives so lavishly of Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit's abundance overflows to those not chosen. But there's not everyone is happy about this. Joshua, in fact, is upset. He comes running into the camp shouting, Moses, Moses, stop them prophesying, Moses. These guys, they weren't chosen. They aren't part of the 70. Stop these rule breakers. Moses replies and I'm going to paraphrase again here. He says, you know what, Josh? I wish every Israelite in the camp had God's spirit and could hear God's voice. Holy Spirit wasn't supposed to fall on 72, but this is a good problem. And I believe that it is this story Jesus is thinking of when he appoints 72 in Luke and and actually it could be that it is Luke that chooses the number 72 to represent how many Jesus sent out or that Jesus appointed literally 72 but whichever it is the message is the same but I believe it is this that is being referred to in the book of Luke when the 72 are sent out in the power of God's Holy Spirit Jesus gave freely of his spirit to both the expected and the unexpected, both to the ones that we would choose and to the ones that we would not choose. Luke, I believe, is making a point that Jewish readers would have understood and that would have meant a lot to him as a Gentile because Luke was not a Jew. He wasn't one of the chosen But Jesus also put his spirit on Luke because he was beloved and he was cherished by God. And so are each and every one of you this morning. I want you to remember this principle both for yourselves and for the young people in your community And in fact, for all people in your your community who do not know Jesus, 
who many will refuse to acknowledge as worthy or chosen to carry God's Holy Spirit and power. And you know, there may be some of you sitting here this morning who don't feel worthy of God's Spirit, who don't feel chosen. There may be some who feel like others wouldn't choose you. But God wants you to know this morning that you are chosen. And God wants those who you come into contact with, God wants you to think when you come into contact with people who the world looks down on, and maybe even you look down on, that he wants to put his spirit on them as well. When you have God's Holy Spirit, you don't need a mediator like Moses. You can hear from God directly. Like the two people in numbers, you are cherished and beloved of God. Even if you feel left out, even if you feel unworthy, even if you do not feel included by the world's standards, even if you don't feel included by, church, you know, by other Christians, by church, you are God's darling and God chooses to put his Holy Spirit on you as well. Now, when you reach out, one of the big things that we ha- talk about in Scripture Union is the 95, because we did some research which suggested that 95% of children and young people in the UK are not in regular contact with a Christian or a church. And when you reach out to the 95% of young people who don't know Jesus, don't forget That it is not by might and is not by power, but it is by my spirit, says the Lord. And these people are also chosen, beloved, and God's darlings. So my prayer for you today, my prayer for you today, God's beloved darlings, is this. It is that you would receive a fresh anointing of God's spirit to empower you to reach out to people in your community and that through your ministry Jesus would pour out his Holy Spirit on people and especially young people that many would see as unworthy. Amen? Amen. Amen. Fantastic. Uh,